Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franzen. What's up, Remarkables? Hey, it's Dr. Stephen Franzen. Welcome to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm super excited to have one of the uh, most influential people in my life in the last few years. Somebody who has, I will say, changed the trajectory of our business, the um, tone of our household and my marriage. You know the expression, happy wife, happy life. This guy has helped us get total clarity in our financial picture for our businesses. Uh, and helped our team really get aligned around our goals through great forecasting, budgeting, and most importantly, giving us great visibility into our business through just awesome financial reporting. This is my financial chair, the director on my financial chair. This is my fractional CFO, Bob Siegel. Bob, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, uh, maybe I, you should introduce me as marriage counselor. That, that <laughs> Man, you were the best indirect marriage counselor I've ever had. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. and everybody on the line right now is chuckling because I don't even have to explain what I mean by that. But man, if uh, your home runs anything like our home, Man, the stress that's associated with finances, whether it's the stress of abundance or the stress of lack, or just the stress of just the deficiency in knowing what's going on and having total clarity and the and the peace of mind that comes with knowing exactly what's going on and having a clear financial picture. Bob, man, it's really, it's been a game changer for us. Camilla and I can't say enough about it. We just appreciate it so much. And I knew that this was a conversation that we wanted to have for our CEOs and our aspiring CEOs, because at the end of the day, it comes down to us as the CEOs to be making decisions. And the question is, is are we making these decisions from a place of emotion or are we making these decisions from the place of data, right? We want to have data-driven businesses, which means we need to make data-driven decisions. And you know what the most important data is, Bob? It's our financial reports. Right, right. Everybody loves loves good financial reports. Uh, on a cold winter's day, you, you curl up with a good financial report, right? Oh, man, you're talking my love language now. <laughs> and it didn't used to be that way, you know, to be honest with you. You know, I was telling a story for years and I'll say decades where I said, you know what? I don't have to understand this stuff. My job is to know how to make the money. Your job is to manage the money, right? So, man, that thing kicked my ass for probably 20 years, that limiting belief. And that was just my ego speaking, right? So turns out that in order to optimize my business and be the best leader I can be and be the best CEO and frankly, to be as, as happy as I am, is I have to understand the finances. I have to understand how the money works. So, you know, in the spirit of that, I'd really like to have a conversation and we're going to start, we're going to make no assumptions. Um, I don't want anybody to feel like we're patronizing them. I really wish somebody did this for me 20 years ago. We had just a really fundamental and basic conversation around reading financials and financial reports and the numbers. And we're going to take it from a different perspective, right? So at the end of the day, most chiropractors, if you ask them about their stats, you ask them about their metrics, they don't understand their performance metrics, you know, from a high level, most of them know how many patients they see per week, how many new ones and how many, you know, what were our collections, right? So, you know, we do a much deeper dive with our vital signs program with performance metrics and the remarkable practice. Everybody now knows things like, you know, what is their cost per lead and what is their cost per acquisition? And they know, you know, what is their show rate, stick rate, conversion rates? They know the difference between internal, external and digital, you know, new patients coming in. They know what their R4 stick rate is, what their patient visit average is, what their lifetime value is, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, what they still don't know and understand is the financial picture. So, you know, we're creating the Remarkable Money Program together. Uh, you're part of that team that's putting that program together, which will be the complement program to our Vital Signs program. So not talking about performance metrics or the traditional stats that chiropractors talk about, although those are critically important. 
This is the complement report, which is the finances, Bob, which is how does the money work? Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I've worked with several of your clients who are now several of my clients. And, you know, I, that is a, a, just a key point is, you know, the vital signs stats are unbelievable and marrying them to the financials is like next level. Uh, you know, that you can just make such good decisions knowing what the downstream impact of things are, you know, it's key. And I, I love, I love vital signs. It's a, it's when I start talking to a doc, it's the first thing I said, can you send me your vital signs? Because it's all that, all those performance metrics are ultimately end up on, on our financial statements. So knowing where, where the numbers are being driven from is, is huge. So I don't see that. Yeah. I don't get it in all the, all my clients. Sometimes they, they don't have those, those metrics for me to follow. And, and when I've talked to clients outside of chiropractic. And, so, you know, so, I mean, you're, you're like me in that, you know, you coach us on the financial side of things. I appreciate, you know, the, uh, 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 you know, a CFO is really a strategist. It's not, I don't want to say just a book, bookkeeper or just an accountant. Cause most people are like, Oh yeah, I have a bookkeeper. I have an accountant. It's like, I have a, a fractional CFO because frankly, my business or businesses at this stage don't really call for a full-time dedicated executive CFO. So what I have is I have access to you and your team as a fractional CFO, right? So I share you with other uh, clients and I'm trying to get it to the point where I'm only sharing you with chiropractors. So we keep your head in chiropractic. Uh, So, but the strategy and the direction that you give us because you have the data, you have the information and, you know, we can make data-driven decisions. It's the same thing when it comes to vital signs is like for me as a coach, coaching chiropractors and all the remarkable coaches feel the same way is clients have to give us those vital signs so that we can do our best work for them. Like, so we can have that visibility into their business. So, you know, we're going to see things that they don't see, right? So, you know, I know that the same is true for you when you're looking at our financial reporting system. So, you know, there's traditional financial reporting and then there's what we're talking about, right? So I'd like for you to just, if you could, for a high level, um, make sure nobody falls asleep at the wheel if they're listening to this driving, Bob. But, you know, we're going to get into it. We're going to start breaking down things like, hey, you know, what percentage of my top line revenue should be spent on payroll? Like, how should I be paying myself? How do I build that into the strategy of how the cash flows in my business? So we're going to get into all of the guts of that in in this conversation. But first, let's just set the table before we eat, right? So can we just frame this out from a high level? You know, why don't you talk through like, what are some of these different financial reports? Yeah, yeah. So 100%, uh, you know, financial reports, they can take on a a lot of different, angles. Uh, you know, so if you're talking to your tax accountant, you know, his goal in looking at a financial statement, he's trying to minimize your, your tax liability. You know, how, how do I save this guy money? And I'm not saying that I don't want to do that. I'm just saying it's a different lens that he's looking at it from. And, you know, uh, um, an operator, a manager, or a bookkeeper, you know, they, they want to look at it from a different lens, they want to, you know, how do I maximize the profits of, of this business, you know, either dry, driving revenues or reducing costs, you know, how do I operate as efficiently as I possibly can? You know, another lens, and you kind of mentioned, is, is more the strategic lens. And that's where kind of we spend most of our time. I, I would say I spend time in, in all the buckets, just like, you know, a chiropractor's may spend time doing adjusting, but they're also the CEO and the marketing director. But, you know, the strategic side is how do I look at this business as, as an investor and how do I maximize the value of this business? You know, uh, I think part of the, the remarkable um, program is, you know, you want to get to exit and, you know, exit is, is really about having a, a, a business that has a lot of value and we want to, try to figure out how to maximize the value so that when somebody comes and makes you the offer, it's, you know, the best possible offer. So, All right, so let's pause right there. Right. So, because I want to make sure people understand that we're having, we're having a conversation that's either multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe a million dollar conversation, because ultimately you said it there, 
it's not, you know, we're trying to get to exit. That's the one season that we all have in common. Everyone exits. That is true. Death and taxes, right? So <laughs> it's death, taxes, and exiting. Right? So, you know, without a doubt, man, everyone's going to exit. The question is, is what is that exit going to be like for you? What's the experience and what's the outcome? Is yeah. it going to be a profitable and graceful exit? Or unfortunately, is it going to be what so many of us have experienced which is it's a handoff, it's a fire sale, or it's a shuttering of the business, which of course is tragic for anybody to do that, right? Instead, what we want to do is we want to we want to maximize asset value. We want to get you the highest asking price one day eventually, right? So, and we also, you know, in the exit program, we talk about how to mitigate tax exposure as well. So you keep some of that profit as well. That's a conversation for a different day. But right now, this is absolutely a question or a conversation around how do you maximize the asset value of your business? So I love that you said you take this as an investor perspective because you know inside of the Remarkable CEO program, we teach our docs that there's an ascension for business owners, right? So, and the ascension is you start as an owner operator and that owner operator identity where you're head down, bum up, taking care of the patients as the owner, right? That single practitioner, you're working in the business all the time, right? And we make the ascension to the CEO when you go into scale. And when you're working as the CEO at scale, now you're working on the business as opposed to in the business as Michael Gerber taught us in the E-Myth, right? So there's also a third ascension that's available to you, right? So where you go from being owner operator to CEO and then from CEO to investor, and instead of working in the business or on the business, you're now working above the business, right? So when you're working above the business, looking down at the business, it's a different perspective or lens, like you said. You're making decisions through a different lens. And truth be told is every day, most of the doctors listening to this right now, they will be in all three of those roles. In other words, they'll have to assume all three identities. At one point, they're adjusting. At the, ne the next point, they're listening to this podcast or they're in their CEO mastermind or they're getting ready to do their board meetings and lead their teams, et cetera, as the CEO. But here we go. We're taking this conversation to the next level where you're actually having to make decisions as an investor. And here's the difference. And the last thing I'll say on this, because it's relevant, is when you are going from working on the business to working above the business, looking at as an investor, those first two identities as an owner operator or as a CEO, the business that you're running, the product of that business is chiropractic care. Okay. So if you're the owner operator, the product is chiropractic care. If you're a CEO, the product of the business is chiropractic care. Well, when you get to be an, uh, to the level of the investor, when you're looking down at the business, the product is, is actually the business itself. Because at one time, at one point, you will be selling that business and you'll have to get a valuation for that business. And that's the product that you're looking to optimize the asset value of, right? So great conversation here. These reports, this conversation we're having today is around how to have a perspective of an investor and what kind of information would you need as an investor to make great decisions to optimize the value of that business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and none of this is, disconnected, like your, your financial statements, looking at it from a strategic standpoint, you know, there's also operational side of it, there's a tax side of it, you know, it's That's all right. combined. So I, right. I, I just maybe um, like to think about it in, in a little bit of silos, because you do look at the financial statements with a different lens. But, you're putting you your know, hat on, right? Yeah, you're putting yeah. your tax hat on, you're putting on yeah. your operations hat, and yeah. now you're putting your investor hat on. Right. And right. we're, we're not having an or conversation, we're having an and conversation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Hey doc, let's face it, 95% of your problems are people problems. Can't find A players, can't keep A players, don't know how to leverage your team, create expectations and agreements, or hold people accountable in order to optimize your team. Doc, what would happen to your practice if you were finally able to get the right people in the right seats, doing the right work the right way? For most chiropractors, it would change everything. You'd increase your capacity to see more people. You'd make a bigger impact and a bigger income. You'd be able to delegate and scale your business. Or maybe you need to get your associate doctor relationship dialed in. That would mean you getting your time freedom back. You could get a handle on your schedule, maybe even become a CEO. If this is what you want your 2023 to sound like, make sure that you join us for the remarkable team building immersion in Dallas, Texas, February 4th and 5th, or in Brisbane, Australia, February 24th and 25th. Man, I'm psyched to be back in Australia. Doc, bring your team with you. 
Get everyone on the same page. They'll be back in your office on Monday with more clarity, accountability, and purpose than ever before. Energize and mobilize your team and see your practice grow. What are your goals for 2023, Doc? Is it a seven-figure foundation or a seven-figure revenue or seven-figure profit or maybe even a seven-figure exit? Regardless of what season you're in, you'll need a seven-figure team. Click the link in the show notes and register today. So let's just kind of jump jump down a little bit into, you know, I don't want to call it the weeds, but, you know. Let's get some terminology down. So so sure. make no assumptions. Let's, like I said, we're, you know, I'm going to raise my hand and say, let's, you know, let's talk about bookkeeping and financial reporting for dummies, right? So no yeah. offense. Yeah. Let's just, let's yeah. just make no assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three basic financial statements that everybody uses in the business world, yeah. right? There's an income or a profit and loss statement. Uh, which measures the performance over time. And that time could be a month, it could be a week, it could be a year, it could be a quarter. There's what's called the balance sheet, which is the way I, I always talk about it. It's, it's basically shows you your net worth. So just like an individual has investments and they have credit card debt and a mortgage and you take your, you know, your assets, your investments, subtract out what you owe people, yeah, hey, that's assets my network. minus liabilities, and there you go. That's where you yeah. are. Right? Yeah. So a, a business, same thing. It, the business has assets. The business has liabilities. The the delta is what is the book net worth of that business. And then the last report that I think it's uh, it's it's probably the most powerful, but gets the least play is is a cash flow statement. And a a cash flow basically tells you, you know, kind of. You, your sources and your uses of your cash. Where where's the cash coming in? Where's it going out? And the cash flow statement kind of marries the income statement in the balance sheet to kind of paint the picture of all this activity in the business. You know, we, we all know cash is king. Everybody wants right. to know how much is in the bank. That the, the two of those statements combine to give you a cash flow to tell you where has the cash come and gone. Because, you know, I think not just in chiropractic, but in, in a lot of businesses, everybody says, hey, I got a nice looking income statement. I've, it shows I made all the money and I look at my bank account, there's nothing there. And, <laughs> and the reason is, you know, yeah, we, we generated profits, but then what happened to all those profits? And, you right. know, you start, you start digging in and you found out, you know, the owner took a bunch of distributions more than he should have given how much the cash the business was generating you know i had to pay down all this debt because you know i took on i had to buy the practice i you know i took an eidl loan whatever it is or you know hey i bought a bunch of equipment i needed you know new x-ray machine new tables and i paid cash for them well you know how do i capture that in my financials well the the cash flow statement picks all that stuff up and tells you the story well, you said it, man. Um, you know, everyone says cash is king, but when you're a CEO or you're a business owner, it's cash flow is king, right? So that's really what matters. And that's really where, you know, I know we made a big shift from like uh, accrual based versus cash based. And that made a big difference for us, right? So the, re- the reality is, is we needed to keep an eye on how the cash was flowing. And that's an incredibly important shift and skill set to be able to like keep your keep your finger on exactly where we are today this week with the cash flow in the business and it's probably where probably what creates the most stress and heartache and frustration for the business owner. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's uh everybody sleeps better when they know that the bank is uh brimming with with dollars. So That's exactly uh, right. So what we wanted to focus on today was the the first statement that it I would say most people are um, or everybody's most familiar with is maybe a way to say it is, is the the income statement, the profit and loss statement. And, you know, we want to go through the components of that. And so we're just going to, we're going to start at the top and we're going to talk about revenue. And, and, you know, this is something that, you know, everybody says, how big is your business? And you say, oh, I have a $2 million business. Usually what you're talking about is my top line, top line revenue, yeah. top line revenue. And in the chiropractic world, you know, your revenue is your collections, you know, the fees for the services you're providing. Um, and it, it could also be, you know, any sales of, of 
supplements or, or other, uh, other things that you may be selling through your practice are typically the, the revenue uh, streams that we're saying we're seeing. And that's so that's right. so it's all those, all those profit centers or all those revenue streams coming in, they all come in and how much do you collect, you know, at the exactly. end of the day, top line revenues, collections, and we, what we wanted to do is we wanted to answer the questions we get so often, which is, hey, uh, what percentage of my collections should I be spending on my overhead, you hear, or my payroll or my rent or what have you? So we want to be able to give some um, some standards, right? Some remarkable yeah. standards around what are the ranges? Because obviously things vary quite a bit from business to business, depending on complexity and age yeah. and sophistication. Also regions of the country, you know, we're going to use US and US dollars here, you know, for the sake of sanity, you know, but we're using an example. And I said, you know, put a million dollars up as top line revenue. So we have nice round numbers to work with. Um, and then you guys can listen to that and extrapolate it out up or down for your business. So yeah. Bob, why don't we yeah. do a quick run through of like what these terms mean and what they include? Sure. And we're going to stay kind of at the, the 20,000 foot level, and sure. then we'll bring it down a little bit as we go through. So the, the first concept we, we want to introduce is what we would call gross profit. Uh, you'll hear also gross margin. And essentially, that is a measure of how profitable are you at delivering your services. So essentially, we're taking the revenue, subtracting out costs of services delivered, which is the cost of your docs, your clinicians, uh, you know, any tra direct transaction costs, you know, typically credit card fees in, in this industry, you know, any consumables, whether it be, you know, the paper that goes on the table or, you know, if you're selling supplements, the cost of that supplement. So we want to know how profitable are you on that very direct measurement of uh, delivering the services. That's right. Um, so, so for the chiropractors listening, you know, it's, if you made a million bucks, what did it cost you to make that million dollars? Right. So this is the first step, right? So if there are two chiropractors adjusting, you got to pay those chiropractors. If there's a tech CA too, you got to pay for those tech CAs. That's, that's what it took to deliver the chiropractic care, take the x-ray, right? So that's the cost of delivering those services. So COSD or CODS, depending on how you say it. Uh, and then COGS cost of goods, was it cost, good, cost good of goods sold? Yeah, COGS cost of, cost of goods sold. Yeah. Uh, if you're selling fish oil, right, you got to buy the fish oil, uh, you know, uh, and then, you know, you sell it at retail, right? So, but there was a cost associated with buying, you know, if you're doing orthotics or you're doing some type of, you know, dur durable medical equipment or whatever. So you had to pay something, you turned around and sold it. So all of that's included. And what did it cost you to make that top line revenue? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the key thing about uh, gross profit is if, if you're not profitable right here, you know, stop, you know, if you, if you have a don't business, scale that, don't scale that business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'll, uh, you, you may laugh, but I was involved in the early days of the uh, dot com, you know, when the bubble burst back in, you know, 2000, whenever it was, I, I worked for a business that had negative margins because the only thing that they were asked of their investors was to prove you could sell furniture of all things over the internet. So yes. um, unfortunately they did it at a huge loss. So we had a negative margin. And, and as soon as the world woke up to the fact that. These Just because it's a virtual business, it's an actual business. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. We, we shut our doors the next day, but so in, in typically gross profit, we just want to maintain a percentage. So in, in a chiropractic office, you know, it should be between seven and 80% gross profit. So basically, you know, for every dollar of revenue you generate, it should cost you 20 to 30 cents. And, you know, when you grow revenue, it's okay to grow your costs of services delivered because, you know, if we go to $2 million and we're still at 20 to 30%, we're still going to have a, you know, a 70 to 80% gross profit. Great. That's, that's, that's good. It's not to say, Hey, we want to, you know, try to do this as efficiently and as cost effective as possible, but it's okay to invest here as you grow because that's exactly that, right. that's, those, those that's two will expected. very commonly run together. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and I'm going to reiterate some of the things you say, Bob, because remember some people are driving and they're listening and, you know, so it's a podcast. So very often, you know, especially when you start talking numbers, it helps if we sort of reiterate. So revenue was that top line, right? So the top line collections minus 
whatever it costs you to deliver the services and the goods that you sold is going to leave you with gross profit, right? So yep. the gross profit, if we are talking top line revenue would be 100% minus the cost of goods delivered or services rendered would be 20 to 30%, which is going to leave you somewhere between 70 and 80% gross profit. Okay. Correct. So now Correct. we've gone from a million bucks and we're going to split the difference. It cost us 250,000 to deliver that million bucks. So we're left now at $750,000 of gross profit against our million. Right. Right. So now that's great. We know, you know, we can profitably deliver the services, but we all, Ian, we also have other expenses that we, you know, we, we need to um, run a business. We need, you know, a facility. We need back office people to, to, you know, do things. We have marketing people. We have to train people. You know, there's insurance. There's a lot of other costs that go along with, with the business. And those are our operating expenses. You know, you'll hear people say the word OPEX. That's, that's what it, it stands for. And, and, the thing about operating expenses, this, these are our expenses are, um, that we don't want to raise, you know, as our revenue increases, you know, you're going to hit, you know, tiers, I would say. But in general, you want this stuff to stay, you know, pretty level because this is the leverage in the business, right? You know, uh, you may have a facility that you're doing a million dollars of revenue and do you need to add a whole other facility at two million? No, we we want you to keep you know that same facility and and double your revenue. That's leverage right there. So um, yeah, and- the, this is this is the job of the CEO, right? To the term the Harris use all the time is optimize, Bob. And I'm going to stay with your example, right? So this is where you have the opportunity, like you said, Bob, was leverage. You have the opportunity to gain leverage here by optimizing these functions. So so if you've got a million dollar business operating inside of 1400 square feet, that 1400 square feet is probably not at capacity at that point. You could probably take that million dollar business and turn it into a 1.5, 1.6, $1.7 million business without having to take on more square feet and expand to 1600 square feet or whatever, whatever, or or 2000 square feet or 2200 square feet, right? So think about like, is it optimized? And at one point, the capacity as you get near capacity it'll start competing with growth so that's when you just you you optimize that band of profitability and then you take on more overhead by taking on a bigger space so now you're on the other side of that profitability and now you got to build that profitability back up so you get it you get these what I call power bands of profitability. It's like you run that thing up until it's optimized then you invest to get you to the next level of growth to smash through capacity. The same could be said for like adding a doctor or another staff person or splitting the front desk or whatever. Like these are these are things that you make choices based on. Is it optimized? And do I need to increase capacity and make an investment into the margin out in front of where I am right now in the business? Right, right. Remember this, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to do adjustments. So, you know, you, you get the, the same facility. So. <laughs> Easy, Bob, man. We're, see, this is a numbers guy. This is about having a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life. No, not well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying, you know, you just have your night shift, your day shift and your weekend shift. They can be, uh, they can all have nice lives. They just work different. Uh, yeah, no, we, did, out, we, we had, we had to do that. We were in Indonesia, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, you know, yeah. Bali and Singapore. We had, we were open 24, not 24, seven, but seven days yeah. a week. And there was four doctors going two shifts a day because it's not a yep. Christian country. So it was like, Hey, Sundays were open. And then yep. it was amazing. It was like you said, it was just around the clock yep. chiropractic yep. care story yep. for another day. Yeah. Yeah. This might be a good time to talk a little bit about, uh, we had a discussion before about uh, fixed and variable costs. And so w- throughout the business, both in the cost of services delivered in, in your, in your OPEX, you know, you're going to have what are called fixed and variable. And, and typically the, de- the definition is, you know, fixed are things that remain relatively unchanged and don't really follow along with growth and revenue, so, you know, and, and month you know, after like, month after month. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, some of the things, you know, people may say, hey, I, I, are my utilities fixed a variable? Your, your, your utilities are fixed. Does your bill go up and down every month based on how hot and cold it is or how who's controlling the thermostat? Sure. But it's really a fixed cost. Can I do things to 
to uh, mitigate Improve. some of that cost? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Put a solar panel up, whatever. Great. Yeah. That's all yeah. about being a good operator is, you know, figuring out how to do things um, what's it, to optimize, you know, but, right. you know, no sense spending more than you have to, um, you know, but variable costs are, are typically going to behave more in line with revenue. You find your variable costs, you know, the perfect example, as I already said, is, is your um, credit card fees. You know, every time you make a sale, you're going to get hit with that two to 3%, depending on what kind of deal you have. Um, but, you know, variable and fixed costs live throughout, throughout the business. And so they could show up in, in some of your OPEX, you know, sometimes, you know, you may have like a marketing cost that, you know, right. you're paying somebody based on revenue growth. Well, you know, marketing is really supporting, you know, it's, it's trying to grow the revenue. It's not a cost directly associated right. with delivering the service. So, and, and also you can choose to do it or not do it, right? You can't, you, you can't choose to, to pay your rent or not pay your rent. You can't choose yeah. to pay your electrical bill or not, but you can choose, unfortunately, you can choose to market or not market, right? Yeah. So it yeah. falls into that. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you just introduce discretionary and non-discretionary. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, sure, right, right, sure. Right. And, and even, you know, most of your payroll, you know, it's pretty fixed. If you have salary or even our employees, if you're guaranteeing them 40 hours a week, even though, you know, it could fluctuate from week to week, it's, you know, it's pretty much a fixed cost. It's, That's right. That's right. Um, All right. So, so now we've got revenue, we've got cost of services delivered 20 to 30% leaves us at about 70, 80% re uh, of revenue uh, of gross profit. And then you got to subtract your OPEX or operating expense, which is going to make up 60 to 70% of the revenue and then income before tax, you're going to be left somewhere between 10 and 20% of revenue, which is going to make some people sad, Bob, hear that. But I want to make sure that we're going to break down for them as like, if you're an <laughs> owner operator, if you're the business operator, we're going to talk about like, what does this business really pay you? How does it pay you? We'll talk about uh, seller's discretionary earnings or, you know, what is really the, 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 the total distributable cash of the business. Yeah. Right? yeah I don't know. Um, I, I would say, um, I don't know how sad people would be when, you know, you're getting negative, 20% returns in the market, what would you rather do? Run an, a, a chiropractic office and get 13% or, or run a, uh, put your money in the market and, and watch it fade away. So what a great point, Bob. Let's, let's highlight. Don't be too sad. Said. Yeah. Don't be too sad. Like, cause people ask all the time, like, what should I be investing in? You should be investing in your business, right? This is the, the big idea, guys. You should be investing in your business. Nothing is going to pay you the returns that your business will and you have total influence and control when it comes to your business. That's the big deal. You're operating into, inside of something that you fully understand, hopefully. This type of report is going to help make you a better operator and a better executive, right? So you have the control of, you know, you're the boss, you're making the decisions, you're not at effect. And the market, as much as you've got a macroeconomic market going on around you, you have a microeconomic market inside of you. You got a focus of the microeconomy of your own business. Yeah. Well, and also think of this, you know, almost as an annuity, right? So, so you can invest in a income producing mutual fund, right? So it, it's investing in businesses that pay dividends, right? So that's exactly right. So, you know, the, the beauty of that is the, the value of the, the stock, the underlying stock may go up, which is great. You get a nice, you know, gain on that, but also you get a, an annuity, you get a dividend paid, you know, whatever their, their uh, cadence is uh, annually, quarterly, whatever. That's, That's what right. this is. This is, That's right. this so is now we an got income salary, producing we got distributions. <laughs> Yeah. And we own a business that's an appreciating asset that's cash yeah. flowing, right? So this is like ticking all the boxes. Yeah. If, if yeah. we just figure out how to make it passive, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's of exactly. course the opposite of that. Yeah, that's I, I you know, I, I um, you know, you said uh, you left with one hundred and thirty thousand after a million. I'm, I'm, I'm not upset about that at all because that's a that's a great dividend. So we'll we'll take it from there. So. And, and we'll next, zoom on that and zoom in on yeah, that so that yeah, the owners yeah. will know, well, wait a minute, you're going to make more than 130 on that million. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the next part of uh, our income statement is we now got to say, well, you know, that 130, we're going to have to pay Uncle Sam or wherever you happen to live, whatever jurisdiction. And some percentage, we we just performed this at 25%, which, you know, maybe a touch low, but I think uh, probably reasonable. And so then you're left with kind of net income 
available for distribution. So now this is what's left over after I've subtracted all of my operating costs. So, you know, one of the concepts I think uh, Stephen mentioned before is, you know, what's your overhead? Well, you know, in our case of, of this business, our overhead is, is really our OPEX plus, you know, the cost of delivering services. So, you know, in this business, we had a million dollar business. Well, our overhead is, you know, $880,000. So, you know, I know that's something everybody wants to understand is, you know, um, just the, you know, the basic, how much am I bringing in and how much is going out at the, the end of the day, that's, that's your overhead. That's, you know, what we're left with before tax. You know, if you want to add, add tax into your overhead, that's, you know, up to you. I, I like to think of it separately, but, you know, so the 90,000 now that's, you know, typically we're talking a, in a chiropractic office, it's a flow through. So that's basically um, available for you to, to, to put in your pocket. It's not right. what we're, we're not recommending it. Yeah. It's discretion. We're not recommending you put it all in your pocket, but it is available. Right. Um, to you. So the, you gave an example of what you could do with this 90 K that was left over. Right. So you could do a distribution, right. So owner distribution. So 60,000 bucks of that 90 leaving 30. Uh, and then what I recommend is, is that we have a cash reserve that we build up that is in essence, what I call a peace of mind account. So, um, you hear people pretty regularly talk about, doing like a rainy day account. And my recommendation is that we don't look at it as like a rainy day account. Um, I love what Martini says. I invest in my inspiration, not my desperation. So my inspiration is peace of mind. So a rainy day account, meaning holding on to 30, 60, 90 days worth of operating costs, just in case, in case of emergency break glass, you need the money. But I call it peace of mind account. And you put that money there and you just don't touch it. And you don't get the peace of mind unless you actually leave that money there untouched. It's not meant to be this discretionary account that you pull money in and out of. If you truly do a gut check on yourself and you recognize that money is there and I'm buying peace of mind, it's no longer mine anymore, okay? So it's in that jar, I'll have to break glass to get into it, right? So it's not just this account that's easy to get in and out of. So once that's funded, I say, 60, 90 days worth of your you know, operational expenses or the monthly nut of that business. And, you know, so put fund, fund that thing until you get to that point. Uh, and then of course that leaves, you know, a, the suggestion here is that there's, there's room here for some bonusing or some profit sharing with the rest of the team. Is that right, Bob? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I always think of it just back to that cash reserve. It's, you know, first thing I, I usually talk about when I, I meet a new client is I, I ask them how they're sleeping at night. I want to be able to sleep. Peace at of night. mind. So, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and, this is, I'll call somewhat my philosophy, but I always think about, you know, at the end of the day, after the, you have the profits of the business, you want to pay three, three entities. One is yourself. You're the owner. You're invested in the business. You should get a return on your investment. Two is you need to reinvest in the company. And that's, again, the cash reserves. You know, it could be me. You could use that money to go out and buy another office or open another office or do, you know, invest in equipments, whatever it is you need to reinvest. But I also think um, the employees should share in that success. You know, they typically the employees are, are hugely responsible for, for the results of the business. And, you know, I uh, just would draw the line between performance bonuses and discretionary bonuses and, you know, performance bonuses, you put those in place because you want to achieve a certain result and that's an incentive to get there. The, the discretionary bonus is, Hey, thank you. I want to share in, in our good fortune. It's yeah, a, as, you know, it's a little bit of a goes in all boats rise. Yeah. Right? All so, boats rise. Yeah. Yes. It's a great cultural, cultural builder. It's an energy builder. Right. And we all know the truth. Um, your business is a reflection of your energy, your energy and your team's energy, right? So, and we know the expression, we know the equation, right? So if your energy's up, your business is up. If your energy's flat, the business is flat. If the energy's down, the business is down. So as the CEO, the chief energy officer, our job is to be aware of taking the temperature of the energy of our business all the time and knowing how to influence it. 
the equation that we teach in the remarkable practice is energy equals money times crucial communications, right? So it's energy or E equals MC squared, energy equals money times crucial communications. This is an example of the M, right? The one of the factors, the money is doing things like profit sharing bonuses, et cetera. So Bob, um, I think this is a great place to end this first segment as we're gonna do this in a two-part series. I wanna say a couple of things in our next segment, what we're gonna do is we're gonna help owners understand like how does the, how's that payroll distribute, right? So how do I get paid as the owner? How do I pay the rest of my team members, including my doctors, et cetera? We're gonna get into that conversation. I wanna make sure everybody understands that when we talk about the direct costs associated with earning that million dollars, if you're the owner operator, meaning that you're in there adjusting as well, you're you're part of the direct costs as the chiropractor, right? So you're going to get paid there. There's your, your salary for being a chiropractor. You're also going to be involved in the indirect costs as uh, the clinic director or the CEO, right? So you, you have a salary there, plus you get these distributions that we just described here, plus you'll have any of the addbacks associated with owning the business. It's when you add the salary for the work that you do, plus distributions, plus all addbacks, that's how you get to seller's discretionary earnings, which is really how this business cash flows to you. So I just want to let everybody know, we're going to break that down in the next episode, the second half of this conversation. For those of you who are listening to us as a podcast and just on audio, your eyes might be rolling around in your head right now. I want to remind you that we have this also on our YouTube channel. And Bob has got a great PowerPoint that he's been using throughout this entire conversation. So if you want to go back, look at the numbers while we're talking to them, it's been very helpful, Bob. We just so appreciate you as my fractional CFO joining these CEOs and having this incredibly powerful and important conversation around how to be strategic when it comes to investing not just your time, not just your energy, not just your focus, but your money so you can build your business and help more people. Bob, thanks so much, man. Um, I'll pick, we'll pick this up on the uh, second half of this conversation in the next episode. All right, my pleasure. It's been, been fun. Please stick around for more business insights from this week's bonus interview with our remarkable success partner dedicated to helping you more successfully help more people. Enjoy. All right, CEOs. So as promised, I am here today in the studio with a new friend of mine, a colleague of mine who I've been uh, hearing about over these past, let's call it year, year and a half since I know we've been uh, working with your company and you've been serving so many of our doctors, especially in Australia. I am honored to have with me today in the studio, Dr. Omar Ayubi an amazing chiropractor. He's been a chiropractor for two decades. Can you believe it's already been 20 years for you, man? I mean, time flies when you're having fun. An incredible doctor, uh, chiropractor, and also radiologist. So it's not often you meet a, a chiropractor who's also licensed um, as a radiographer, but, but he is. And uh, so, Doc, before we get into some of the questions that I have for you and how you're helping doctors use leverage to function as CEOs and create a bigger impact, a greater income in their businesses. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. What's, uh, what, what, what would you want us to know about you? Uh, again, I told the audience just a little bit, but anything else you'd want us to know? And then uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grill you a little bit here today. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to have some fun. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Pete, for that. Uh, I really appreciate this opportunity and, and your time. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm from Sydney, Australia. And I think a lot of the the stuff that we're going to be talking about today really it appeals more to the Australian-based chiropractors. The business that we run appeals to, to them rather than the, your US audience. So just, just to give it a little bit of context. But yeah, uh, I'm Omar Yubi, uh, qualified radiographer and, and chiropractor. Been a chiropractor since 2002, 2003. It's been a long time, so I'm forgetting the years now. And uh, yeah, so it's been about 20 years. And time does fly. And I'm thinking more about that every day. Yes, time does fly. And uh, so we started, um, our chiro chiropractic business is, is the back clinic. We started that in 2003. Um, and then in 2013, we started Innate Radiology, which is, Innate Radiology is a teleradiology service for Australian chiropractors. We provide that service Australia-wide. Um, and that started in 2003 we, we've been running it ever since ever since then and uh, as you've already mentioned i do have a radiography background as well and that gave me 
um, it gave me insight into the radiology field and being a chiropractor, I merged those two fields together and we're helping a lot of Australian chiropractors with those, with that background. So I love this and, and I love talking to an entrepreneur and it, it's very clear to me right now. And I think our audience and hopefully a lot of the U S who heard you say that are sticking around because this is going to be awesome. This is a great interview. And I want them to hear from you because you're a CEO who is innovating and you've created a business. And we always say a business exists to solve a problem. That's what exists yeah. if for someone else. That's what it exists for. So let me ask you. So you were inspired at some point to launch this business. So here you were 2002 and three, launched the back clinic. You guys are going, 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 serving, saving lives. All of a sudden, 2013 comes. Up. Talk to me about that. What's going on? What's going on inside of your, your entrepreneurial brain that made you decide, okay, I'm going to launch another business. Take us through that problem solving. Like, what are we going to go after? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I love it, man. I love, I love the entrepreneurial thing. I, I really love it. This is what I think about, is what I uh, talk about every day with people, right? So I love it, this entrepreneurial spirit. So, so what, what was it with me? So uh, I was a qualified radiographer first, right? That was my undergraduate degree. And we did chiropractic as a postgraduate. And while I was studying chiropractic, um, after I'd finished a radiography degree, I was working as a radiographer in, in medical centers, in hospitals. And I gained an insight into how chiropractors and other practitioners, but how chiropractors, because I was studying chiropractic at the time, were able to refer for, for radiology exams, right? Now, in, in Australia, we've got, we've got these services, the radiology services paid for by the government. It's, it's a Medicare program. So, um, so in the Australian context, patients, uh, citizens of Australia get their x-rays paid for by the government. So I'm working as a radiographer. And I'm seeing that, hey, chiropractors can refer for x-rays. The patients are coming in. They don't have to pay for it, right? And I'm thinking, hang, hang on a second. So this is while I was studying chiropractic. I, I was able to go, hey, hang on a second. There's something going on here. There's a, there's a referral thing going on here. Uh, the patients are getting the service for free. And I was already thinking before I had even graduated as a chiropractor, hey, man, I've got something here. The chiropractor can refer, if, if the chiropractor had their own x-ray machine, and in Australia, you know, some chiropractors do have their own x-ray machine, they're able to take their own x-rays, they can refer, and if I can bring Medicare into that, into the chiropractic profession, and allow chiropractors to bill the government for this service, uh, I think this is a win-win for everyone, the customer, um, and if I, can, if, if I can remunerate the chiropractors, Somehow, it's a win for the chiropractic owners uh, or their businesses because obviously they're making money out of this. So it's a win for all parties, the customer, the business owner. It's a win for us. We're, we're able to provide this service and everyone, everyone's winning out of this. So this all came about while I was studying chiropractic and working as a radiographer and getting insight into that field and how the government is paying for that service that the chiropractors were already using. So you didn't, but you didn't start it right away. So you finished your chiropractic studies and you started your practice, but it was almost a decade later before. So you were, you were taking your own x-rays in your clinic and your, in, in the back clinic, you were, you were marking and, and analyzing your own and doing your own reporting. So it took yeah. about, you know, almost a, a decade before you launched this. What was that? What was kind of the, what had to happen for you in your business, your first business before you were able to launch the second business? Yeah, so um, being a, a young, so I'm 44 now. So if we go back 20 years ago, I was 22, 23, 24 by the time I graduated from chiropractic. Being a 24-year-old, um, I was young. Um, even though I had the idea, I didn't have confidence. I, I, I really, so if I think back at myself 20 years ago, I lacked a lot of confidence. I had no experience. I had no family members in the business of radiology. Even though I was working in radiology, there was, there, was, there was no one to go to with that. So what I was doing for that first decade was using my, um, my contacts within the radiology field or some of the people that I used to work with had their own radiology business set up. And I, was, I, I made an agreement with them. I had a, a working relationship with them. I said, hey, man, look, I'm going to take my own x-rays. How about, you know, you, you, know, you do the reporting. You know, you've got the radiologists already. Um, You've got the whole setup. You've got the whole infrastructure. Oh, how about I use your infrastructure? 
and um, you know you you remunerate us a small fee for that. You know, uh, so that was the setup for the first decade. I I didn't have confidence. I didn't have the experience to go up to radiologists and uh, you know uh, propose this idea to them and. I didn't know how to remunerate a radio. I didn't even know how to negotiate terms with them. Um, so that was happening for the first decade. So it wasn't until, you know, 2013 when I had the confidence then, probably in my mid-30s, to actually say, hey, man, hey, look, um, maybe I can set this whole thing up myself. Maybe I can, maybe I can set up this whole infrastructure myself. So it, I think it was a lack of confidence. That's probably what it was wow. in the early years. I also think, you know, like you said, it's a lack of confidence, but it's also at the same time, like you are building up your relationships in the market. You were studying the market. You were also owning your profession, knowing that the clients that you're going to be serving moving forward were your own colleagues as Kairos. So you were going to, you were going to be serving them. So it gave you an opportunity to, like you said, build the relationships with others in your, in the community there, but it also enabled you to like get your, put your 10,000 hours in, in Cairo and really become a chiropractor who built a business. And now, cause to open a second business of any kind, that requires a lot of time, energy, focus, and money. I mean, it's, and here you are already leveraged because you're in your business. So I just love having this conversation with another entrepreneur, because again, it, it just goes to show like, even if you don't have confidence, eventually, if you have a vision, you can, you, you like stay with it. Don't give up. I love that you held on to it for 10 years and then you decided to take it. So now you're, now you've been doing it for 10 years. So let's, let's fast forward yeah. a little bit and bring you up. To, now we're in 2022. So now you've been running the back clinic for 20 years and the Nate radiology for 10 years almost. Um, so one of the questions you know that I have today is, so how are you helping Specifically, if I'm a client, so I'm a chiropractor, okay, I am, yeah. and you're in a radiology, like, what's it look like for me if you were to say, hey, I'm going to hire you or use your services in my clinic, because I have a clinic, I have an x-ray unit. Um, what does that look like for that conversation? For me as a doctor who's not using innate radiology, why would I take that next step in working with you? And how are you helping me be more successful and help more people? I'd, I'd love to hear like how that discussion goes. Yeah, Pete, yeah, you, you're right. You know, after that confidence, you know, it's, it wasn't just a lack of confidence. You're right. It does take time to build up the networks and to build up, you know, the, the, the knowledge and intelligence. So you're right. So since 2013, uh, we've been helping a lot of Australian chiropractors. And what we bring to the table is we say, look, man, Dr. Pete, you're already referring for x-rays, right? You're already referring for x-rays. How about you join us, our team, you know, you be a part of our team and we pay you for a service that you're already using. And the, the, the payment that we're making is we go, hey, look, Dr. Pete, you've got the infrastructure already set up in your, in your office. And if you don't, for the chiropractors that don't already have their own x-ray facility on site, we can help you with that, right? So that's another added thing, part of our business. We help chiropractors. We make it so easy for them to set up a radiology clinic within their own uh, chiropractic practice and we make it the most cost effective. So part of that time, you know, a lot of time went into building those relationships and I've got those relationships with some of the x-ray suppliers and we've been able to, to provide chiropractors with the most cost effective radiology setup. So we help with that and accreditation and all those things. So the chiropractor really doesn't need to do much. They don't even need to know anything. We bring all that to the table, the intellectual property, the know-how, the experience, the cost effectiveness, we're adding dollars to the chiropractor's bottom line and we're benefiting your patients, Dr. Pete, right? So rather than the chiropractor, rather than the chiropractor charging $150 for an x-ray, in the Australian context, I can say, hey, Dr. Pete, why don't you provide that service to your patients free of charge and focus their attention more on them investing into their chiropractic healthcare, right? And on top of that, we have a team of radiologists that provides you, Dr. Pete, with, you know, the radiologist report, which gives you confidence, assurance that no pathology is being missed. There's no, no liability on you. So it's a win for you. It's a win for the patient. It's a win for the business. So we bring all of that, you know, um, uh, the know-how, cost-effectiveness, money, um, save patients money and time 
that's the that's the business model. I mean, at this point, I'm thinking, all right, why would we not be set up with you and run doing business together? I mean, it doesn't, it makes zero sense other than if a doctor might say, all right, we can charge, we're going to charge more for our x-rays and we're going to, we're going to have our patients pay us out of pocket more than maybe your company could ever be able to, you know, pay us for that. I mean, that'd be the only thing. So to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, you've taken all the risk out. You have, you know, you've obviously provided the highest level of service. You have professional radiologists doing the reporting. I mean, from that perspective, to me, it's a no brainer. So in my opinion, we've just got to make sure that we reach every chiropractor in Australia who either has a unit or doesn't yet. And let's make sure we get them set up with one. I mean, you guys have the whole thing set up. So last question is this. So we always think in terms of the four limited resources. You probably heard us talk about that. This, you know, all human beings, including CEOs have four limited resources. We all have a limited amount of time. We have yeah. a limited amount of energy, a limited amount of focus and a limited amount of money. I mean, there's, there's a, and so I've heard you tell me that you directly address the money component. You've taken that out of the equation by saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna pay you to take x-rays in your, in your facility and we'll mark them for you. Energy, hey, it takes a lot of energy. I know for me in my office, like we did more of a, um, like a, a CVP model. So we were taking a lot of films and pre and post films, all this stuff. Like if you were to tell me, hey, we would, we would help you with that. Like taking, you take the x-rays, we'll take care of like assessment, analyzing and all that and giving you a thorough report on that. That'd be massive for me as an example. So think about saving me time yeah. and energy and focus, it's huge. Or my associate doctors who are doing that. Now you freed me up and my associates to go do the thing that we need to be doing, which is growing the chiropractic business, serving more people at the table, growing the business. I mean, to me, it just, when I think in terms of ROI, that's where my mind goes. Talk, talk to us about that. Like when you think about, I mean, can, do you have visibility into your practices? Once they hire you, are they growing? Are they seeing more people? Are they growing since they start working with innate radiology? I'd love to, to know like what kind of the, some of the results have been for the docs and the clinics that you've been able to help. Yeah, man. Um, ROI, uh, the most important question of all, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, We've already covered things like, you know, saving the chiropractor, the, the energy, uh, the time, the focus. We take all that, all that guesswork out. We run the operation. We help them run the operation. We help them set it all up. So that's all gone. Um, in terms of return on investment on money, look, our chiropractors, look, we've got, we've got chiropractors all around Australia. Uh, I can track, you know, what they're doing, the numbers that they're doing and they are all growing, right? Uh, at the very least, year upon year, I see chiropractors just maintaining their volume. That's the, that's the very least. No chiropractors are going down. I mean, this business model works. It, it's a win, it's a win-win. It, it doesn't go backwards, right? So return on investment, you know, we, I, I, we see things like, so let's talk real numbers. To do a setup in Australia, it'll cost the chiropractor for a brand new setup installed, fully functional, operational, under $70,000, right? That's a whole radiology setup for a chiropractor under $70,000. Our chiropractors are making a return of, I'd say 40% minimum to 100% per annum, mm. right? So that's the ROI, 40% minimum to 100% per annum paid monthly, right? So when you look at something like that, Dr. Pete, if you're a chiropractor in Australia, the number one investment right now is what we're talking about. There, there is hardly any investment out there in the market that offers a 40% to 100% return paid monthly per annum, right? When you look at real estate, you look at Bitcoin, you look at the stock market, they're all highly speculative. You need to borrow a lot of money. It can go down anytime. We're talking about a business that pays you cash flow every month and it makes a return of 40 to 100%. I mean, these are real numbers, Dr. Pete, that I can, uh, you know, I, can, I, I keep track of these things. I keep track of these numbers of, of, of all our participating chiropractors. Amazing. 
All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Last question is a bonus question. How do people get in contact with you? How do they learn more? I know we're speaking specifically to, you know, the Australia uh, doctors uh, here. And I know all you U.S. doctors who are probably like me listening, like, how come we don't have anything like this here in the United States? Maybe there's a business opportunity. We need to figure it out. Um, but Maybe. you know, I, I love what you're doing. So yeah, how, how do we get more, um, in contact with you? More information? Yeah, easy, man. Just call me on my uh, mobile number. Um, I think it's plus six one four one four thirty four ninety eight ninety eight, or just email me omar at innate dot com dot au. Awesome. Well, Omar, thank you again for uh, who you are and what you're doing to help advance our profession, help more chiropractors, help more people, help our, our CEOs build more remarkable practices so they can have more remarkable lives, having businesses that don't compete with their life, but complement their life and ultimately help us make a bigger impact and a bigger income. And it's not all at the uh, expense of our, our own selves or our team. So I appreciate you. Thank you for what you're doing for our profession keep up the great work. And I look forward to uh, connecting with you, hopefully uh, here in the near future, when I get over to uh, Sydney, Australia for one of our upcoming events. And I uh, look forward to meeting you in person. And uh, for all you Remarkable CEOs, appreciate all of you. And I look forward to being with you again next week on the next episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Until then, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.